There you go. Figure that way when I walk up, it'll get. Well, take your Bibles to, if you've got your sheets, you can look there. Uh, Exodus chapter 38. Exodus chapter 38. And we're going to read a couple verses of scripture here, but tonight we're going to look at the furniture in the. Uh, in the tabernacle or around the tabernacle. It's been an interesting study to me because, again, I'm, I'm not really uh, that versed in it, so really teaching myself a lot as we're going through this. And, and uh, Exodus chapter 38, Exodus 38, we're going to start there. Um, as you look, if you have that second piece of paper there, you'll turn it around on the back side, you will see um, the outline of the tabernacle, and uh, kind of gives a little bit of description of the tabernacle there, uh, what was there, how it was placed, so you kind of understand um, a little bit of that. Just for your knowledge and your information, you can look at that, and uh, we'll go through there. But we're going to go, I doubt that we get through all six of them tonight. I'm going to try to get through at least three or four and uh, talk about these tonight. The items that the furniture that God made for the tabernacle or to surround the tabernacle. So first of all, we're going to look at the brazen altar. And with the brazen altar, number one is... If you'll see there, as you enter into the court of the tabernacle, on the court, uh, you'll see that is the first item that you can see. And uh, this was the place where sacrifices came. This is the place where uh, they would sacrifice the animal. And uh, you'll notice in, in the book of Leviticus, uh, a good description of what takes place and what they would do on that brazen altar. Good information there. In the book of Leviticus, uh, the, you'll see the placement of this item being very important. The, the, the placement of this item is right front and center. It was to be of the utmost importance. It was to be where everyone could see uh, because as you would make your way into the tabernacle, there wasn't, uh, there a lot, most people were not allowed to go into the tabernacle. Only a certain group was allowed to go into the tabernacle. But everybody could see that brazen altar. That brazen altar is a picture of Calvary. And Calvary being where the shedding of blood was taking place, where Jesus shed his blood to pay for our sins. And so this altar is a picture of what we see. When we see Calvary, when I see the cross, I immediately think of Calvary and what Christ went through. Even going down to even jewelry, sometimes you see that cross and immediately your mind thinks of Calvary and what took place. Just like when they would walk by this this uh, by the by the fence there in the outer rim, they could see as they looked in the, the that brazen altar. Well, let's look a little bit on uh, a little bit about the brazen altar. You got your Bible open to Genesis chapter thirty-eight. Let's read in verse number thirty. There is that on your paper as well. But in verse number thirty, the Bible says, and. <clears throat> 
Therewith he made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the brazen altar and the brazen grate for it and all the vessels of the altar. Now, you have your Bible open to Genesis, Exodus 38. Turn back to Gen Exodus, I keep wanting to say Genesis, Exodus 27, Exodus 27. It talks about here in this verse about the brazen altar, uh, what it was for. It was a vessel for the altar. And uh, in, in, uh, in Exodus 27, in verse number 1, and through verse number 8, gives you the description of the brazen altar. What's to take place? All the brazen altar there. But let's look in verse number 3 so we understand that's Exodus 27, verse number 3. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fry pans and all the vessels thereof. Thou shalt make them of brass. Brass. And so you'll see in verse number one uh, that the, the item of the altar was made of shittim wood. Uh, it was five cubits long, five cubits broad, and the altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. So it was seven and a half foot square by four and a half foot tall, and this brazen altar was covered in brass. And it's the reason why it was called the brazen altar to represent brass. Uh, then you'll also see in verse number three, as we read, that the Bible says that the 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 uh, the, the the pan was brass, the shovel was brass, his basins were brass, his flesh hooks were brass, his fry pan was was brass, and all the vessels, every vessel that would be to you to be used on the brazen altar was to be brass. Isn't it amazing that God went to all of this work, all of this time, all of this effort to make a brazen altar and to cover it with brass. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 118 and verse number 27, the Bible says, God is the Lord which hath showed us light by the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. They would use the horns in Exodus 27, verse number 2. There were horns that were on the four corners, and they would use it to tie the animal down, as Psalms 118 says. This was to be used for the sacrifice. To be used for the sacrifice of that. So as you think about this, the... The, the time that it took to do this, the time that it took to make this, uh, represented what Christ would go through on Calvary. And how important Calvary needs to be. It needs to be in the forefront. I've heard people, okay, I've heard people say that we need to take the blood out of Psalms. I've heard people say that the cross is not important. But the cross is important. The cross still is what saves. The cross is still what matters. It is the cross. And so no matter where they went, they had this brazen altar. 
But you will also notice, and, and maybe not verses that we read, but in every item that Christ had them build, they put rings on each item. And the reason they would put rings on each item so that they could pick those items up and go. So they would have little, little staves, is what the Bible says, or little rods, and they would stick them into the, into the rings, and they'd be able to pick them up. Four people could pick them up, or however many people it took. They'd be able to pick those items up and carry them to the next place. And so it made them easy to be able to move because of the rings that were on the placement of each uh, item that he had built for the for the altar. Number one, we see the brazen altar. Do you guys have any questions or comments about that? Okay. Number one, number one is the brazen altar. Number two, we have the laver. The laver. You will also see this laver is on this, on the description of the courtyard. This is in the courtyard. So we have the brazen altar here. And the next item coming is the laver. And the laver, the Bible doesn't give us dimensions of how big it was or how small it was. But it was an item that had water in it. And the reason they had water in it, because they would use that to clean themselves or to wash their hands and wash their feet before they entered into the tabernacle. And, okay, so to picture it with me, they're at the brazen altar, and what's taking place at the brazen altar? There's blood, there's, there's a sacrifice, there's all kinds of, uh, they, they got all over them. I don't know if you've ever uh, taken an animal and skinned an animal or done something to an animal when you've done that and you've, uh, and you've got it ready. Uh, there's a lot of blood involved to some extent. And so what would they need to do before they entered into the tabernacle? They would need to clean their hands. So in Exodus chapter 30, I know we're kind of jumping through Exodus a little bit, but in Exodus chapter number 30, the, the, the description of the, the, of, the, uh, of the labor. In verse number 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt make a labor of brass. Uh, he shall make a labor of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. Thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they wash, they shall wash with water that they what? Die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to the burnt offering made by fire unto the Lord. So the reason they had this labor uh, this labor there was so that when they got done with the sacrifice, they would be prepared to go into the tabernacle. They had to wash their hands that they would not die. And uh, so why is it important that they understand that? Why is it important that they did that was because they were not allowed to go into the tabernacle lest they were hands were clean. So, why is that important? 
Why is it important that they had to go to be able to enter into the tabernacle, their hands had to be clean? Why do you think that's important? away. I can't. 
And so these, these priests were doing something representing what I need to do when I go to God. I need to go to God and get my sins forgiven before I can talk to Him, before I can spend time with Him. But I've got to make sure that I'm clean. No, I'm not always clean. No, I'm not always what I ought to be. But I've got to get in that water and say, God, forgive me of my sin. God, wash my feet because I did something I shouldn't have done. I touched something I shouldn't have done. My feet went somewhere they shouldn't have went. And that's why we've got to wash before we can approach that tabernacle. So, it's important that we do. It's important that we do. He said, John chapter 15 and verse number 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. How can I clean my life up? Through the word. Through prayer. How can I clean my life up? By, by praying. How can I clean my life up? By reading God's word. Because God's word will then instruct me on what's right and what's wrong. <clears throat> it's hard to get clean if you don't use soap and you just use water, right? When I take a, when I take a shower, I want soap because I want to get clean. I don't, got, I don't get in the shower just to run water. That's right. Because I need to clean up. And when I wash my hands at the sink, you know what I use? Soap. Because I want to wash my hands. Because they're dirty. That soap, that water, praying, and the Word of God, and allowing it to wash us clean. Isaiah 52 and verse 11 says, Depart ye, depart ye, go, out, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Brother Alfred, you said it just a moment ago, but yes, one of the steps of me washing is to live a righteous life. This is a, uh, as a part of sanctification where I become a cleaner, where I live a cleaner life, where I live a holier life, but there will never be a day. I, I heard a preacher say this. You can never be sinless, ever be sinless, ever. No. But you can always sin less. That's right. Bottom line fact is that the closer, the older I get as a Christian, the less I ought to sin, right? Right. But that's not always true, is it? Not always. No. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you get carried away, you know. Well, guess what's still true? No matter how what kind of a Christian I am, no matter how long I've been saved, guess what's still true? The flesh still exists. Ask for forgiveness. And, but that still exists. And there's that labor so we can wash in that labor. You know, it is important that we never, never, never take for granted that we can wash in the labor. 
wash ourselves in the Word of God. The labor, look in Exodus chapter 38. There's something else interesting about the labor. The Bible says in verse number 8, And he made the labor of brass, and the foot of it of brass, of the looking glasses of the women, as assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So he made this labor of looking classes, of mirrors. Why would he do that? Why would God have us, why would God have them do that? Looking glasses, a mirror. There it is. I'm washing my hands, but guess what I see? I see a sinner. I see a depraved, thank you, thank you for calling me a sinner. I, I see a depraved man. I see somebody in need of, of help. Right? That's right. But when we go to God, who do we have to look at? We got to look at God, okay? Alyssa, we do. She's over there pointing at God. But when we go to pray, we've got to be able to look inside and say, what do I need to be able to pray? What sin have I committed? What sin have I done that I need to confess? And I think if this, the Bible tells us that, that the word of God is a mirror. That we can see our sin. Because when we look at ourselves, what should we see? Man, did you see how good I am? Some people feel like that. I've, had, I've never had a discussion with a guy, but there are people... Who believe, I've never had uh, discussions with people, but I know that there are people who believe that you can be sinless. They do. Look, I'm a sinner. I mess up. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you so. <laughs> it is not confession time. I do not need that back there. It's quiet down there. <laughs> But in all honesty, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to look in the mirror. Yep. Look at me. Look at yourself. Because too many times we say, well, did you see what they did? Or, did you see what's in their backyard? But, uh, yeah, I know the scripture in the New Testament, but it says to get the mote out of your eye. Yeah. Be you before you remove, the, <laughs> remove it out of your eye. Yeah. Did you see what he's got on? Did you see what he's been doing? Did you see where they've been going on Friday nights? I mean, so many times that's our reaction is, well, well, I'm not as bad as them because they're not, I'm not doing that. But that's not, that's not who we compare ourselves to. Who do we compare ourselves to? God. God. Any thoughts or questions? Ourselves that we're okay because we're not as bad as so. I'm not doing it like that, y'all. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And that's where you, and then that's where, what is your, what's your standard? You know, is the Lord your standard or someone else's right. standard? Right, right. And at that point, that's what other people are standard because, oh, yeah. we're doing better than them, so we're okay. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I come to church more than they do, so I think we're doing good. I don't go that direction, I, you know, like they do, but but that's, I don't compare my, I can't compare myself to them. I need to compare myself to God. And I I, I don't know that's if that's why God put the mirror, had them put the looking glasses in the labor, but this is just Triton's thought, is that he had that there so they could look at themselves and say, wow. I'm here. I am trying to wash my hands and wash my feet so I can enter that tabernacle. Because they were fixing to do a sacred duty. They were fixing to step into that tabernacle. And if their hands weren't clean, if their feet weren't clean, they'd die. But we don't. We don't even come close to approaching God like that anymore. No. Is my life clean? Are my hands clean? Are my feet clean? Man, it's a completely different way that we approach God. Completely different. And I think it's important. You know, we're fortunate that Jesus died for us. He made it so easy for us. He did. This, this is hard. It is I mean, hard. If you went in there and you weren't right, or if, you know, you, you know, you didn't, uh, you didn't clean up right. You walked in there, you died. I mean, right. you were dead. And that even goes into into you know there was a there was even a different standard uh, when going into the tabernacle. There was a standard of how they had to be before they went in. And then there was another standard how they went into the Holy of Holies. You know, there, there was another standard that they had to have. But legitimately, that standard should not change. Because we are still speaking to the Holy of Holies. We're still speaking to God. And so it should not change any aspect. We ought to spend time at the labor. We ought to spend time making sure that we are prepared. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes I'm not always prepared to come to church like I ought to be. What do you mean? Like I haven't spent time in the labor making sure that I'm ready to see God, making sure that I'm ready to spend time with God. But he, this is an illustration. They were going, they were going to the house. I think it's more than an illustration because this is how he had them live. This is how he had them be was to build this tabernacle and you meet God at the Ark of the Covenant, but you had to go through these steps to be able to get there. They had to clean up at the labor. It's convicting to me because I don't know that I spend that much time making sure that I'm washed up and ready to go. If that makes sense. Spiritually. We always make sure that we look good on the outside. But we're not always concerned about what's on the inside. Now that Christ is the one in the New Testament that had that cup. He said, man, that's a beautiful cup. Y'all, you guys all have that coffee cup, right? Do you drink coffee? You have that coffee cup that is beautiful on the outside and nasty on the inside? Oh, yeah. Stained up from all that, all that coffee you've been drinking? Oh, yeah. No one would know on the outside. That's right. But on the inside, it's full of, as Jesus said, it's full of dead men's bones. Yeah. But here we are. Everyone thinks we've got it together. Man. Look sharp. Hair did. 
I don't have any hair to do. But we're, but we're not clean on the inside. And they would get, they would die if they were not clean on the outside and the inside as they entered into the tabernacle. You go forward into time in, in the New Testament when when uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira is that right? Ananias had that story in the New Testament where they were they were all given big offerings and there was this family that come in and said, "Hey, we just sold our house and our land and we want to give it all to the church." And they were lying. And they, they sold the house for $500,000 and they gave five they gave $150,000 and said, this is it. Well, this is all. We sold, we sold it and we want to give it all to the church. And immediately, 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 God struck them dead. God struck the husband dead. God struck the wife dead because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Well, that's still the same God that we approach. That's still the same God that we serve. That's still the same God that we need to worship. I, I think that it is as serious, but we don't take it as serious. Anybody thoughts, questions? I covered two. I think that kind of goes back to where what your standard is. Where their standard was other people, like we're doing so much. So look at us. But you know, it takes me back to the, is it the widow lady that gave two mites, and the Lord says it was her. She gave mm -hmm. more. She gave more. more. They wanted a pat on the back. They wanted everybody to know how much they gave. They wanted everybody to know that, did you see what I just put in that plate? But it's not about that. It's about pleasing God. It's about doing what God wants you to do. It's about, and it's about making sure that you're clean so you can approach God and have that free avenue. Amen. Any other thoughts or questions before we pray? Yeah. We're, uh, we're real fortunate to have Jesus. Make uh, concessions for us for God. We also accepted Him Himself, you know. Uh, but you know, these people here, they didn't have somebody that, that could go before God. And, and, and all we have to do is believe in Jesus. And, and these people had to go before God, and that they, I mean, they, they made a mistake. They're dead. Yeah, you know, and it's so simple. We got we believe in Jesus Christ, and He He does the talking to God. We don't need to go straight to Him and, and through Him, right? Because He's our intercessor. Yeah, He, he, he goes to God, God for us, and God listens to every word. Yeah, He says, "And okay, we we <laughs> these people are not clean enough 
to go to God. They had to clean up and sacrifice, and then, then you know, so they made a mistake or something. My life, they're gone. You yeah. know, you die. You know, it's true. Yeah, your life expects in uh, being a liar or or uh, not being clean enough. Well, good, you go. You're right. You're right, but it just it, it just points to that importance of being clean. That's right. The importance of living right and doing right and being right. That's right. So we can go to God. Mm -hmm. Because there we may not die because we're not clean enough to go to God, but we won't get our answered prayers because we're not clean. That's right. You know, because we're not clean, He is our intercessor. He goes to God for us. But if we're not right and we're not sanctified, we're not going to get our prayers answered. That's right. Ephesians chapter, I can't read my own writing. Ephesians 5, verse 26. That's not happening very often. Verse number 26, the Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You know what Christ wants to do? He wants to wash us and sanctify us so that we can just have access to the Father. It's good. It's good. You know, thoughts? Go ahead. We, we do ask Jesus, you know, to forgive us. Amen. And, uh, we need to uh, remember, don't give him lip service. Right, right. Don't give him lip service. Serious now, business I, now. Well, I'll tell you a story I read about this murder. That this uh, pastor was having an affair with his secretary, and the secretary, they were both married, but the secretary is married to Nikki. And uh, she started feeling guilty about the situation and said, we need to stop this. And the pastor said, don't worry. As long as we ask forgiveness, Jesus will forgive us. Well, long story short, they both end up in prison. The, the deacon found out and was going to expose the pastor and getting kicked out of church. And that pastor couldn't have it. I mean, he was going to be, you know, have a big congregation. And uh, he couldn't have that. So he he plotted to kill the, the guy and kill him and hurt him. Him and his, his wife, the deacon's wife, and uh, they, I don't know if they, I think he poisoned, but anyway, they end up both in prison. Right. Or, yeah. But that that's, uh, you know, he was giving this woman lip service, you know, and that's how the devil works. He he puts in a little bit of truth, and the rest of us are lying. Right. He was just wanting the sex. That's well, you know, and then, then, the, uh, then the other thing on that is the sin... There is not a such a thing as a small sin. That, you know, you begin to classify sin. Well, that sin's not that bad, or that sin's not that bad. But every sin is wrong. A small lie is still a lie. It's right. not a white lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. Doing wrong is always wrong. Doing right is always right. And and that's that's where we get into trouble. Is we start classifying sin. Saying one's better than the other, and uh, that's not as bad as their sin. Going back to what we were just talking about, you know, saying, "Well, their sin is okay. Well, they're doing that. Well, I'm only doing this, so I'll be oh, all right." Yeah. You know, and I think that that's where they get into trouble. That's where I get into trouble if I don't watch myself. Is comparing myself to other people, but I gotta compare myself to God. And what does God think about it? God, if it's sin, it's wrong. It's not. It's not anything else than that. If it's sin, it's wrong. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that reminds me of the time that uh, Eve was tempted by the serpent. That's right. The serpent said, 
you know, she said, we will die. And he said, oh, surely you won't die. You'll become smart. Right. And, and he was putting some truth into a big fat lie to get her to sin. That's right. You know. That's exactly that's what the, Satan will do. Yeah. And that that's that's it. Yeah. She was she was becoming like a servant. She told oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And that's what he'll do is plant that seed of, of the it. lie and well, cover it up with just a little bit of truth and that's get you right. to do wrong. Yeah. And then you're suckered into it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, it's just like the, the, the uh, subject of abortion. You know, there, there are people, I, I was talking to a woman who's 100% for it. She voted for Biden. She says, uh, I'm 100% for abortion. She says, if a woman gets raped, she has the right to get rid of that baby. I said, no, that's a lie. She doesn't. If she doesn't want that baby, she can have it adopted out. Yeah. And it's her husband's. Well, how many kids you adopted? I said, sir, God gave me all the kids I wanted. I didn't have to adopt any children. Well, you know, <laughs> he shut up. He walked off. It's, it's, <laughs> sin gets twisted. Sin gets turned. And where people don't understand the Bible, don't understand the, the, the truth of God's word. When does life begin? And that's where... And that's why it has become a, a hard subject for so many people. Oh, yeah. Does when does life begin? Yeah. Life begins when the Bible says it begins, you know. And when does the Bible say it begins? That's exactly it, right. it begins at conception. And and again, it's it's going back to the Bible for mm -hmm. our answer. Going back to God yeah. for our answer. And so whatever we do, the standard that we have in our life, why we believe in, why we believe what we believe, is not because it's what Trenton wants to believe. It's because of what the Bible has to say. And, you know, we've got to, the, those sins, no matter the size, they're all wrong. You know, that's, it's, that, and that's, the, that's the problem. It's not whether I think it's right or if you think it's right. That's exactly right. It's what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? It's right. And that's our standard for living. That's our standard for that's our standard for everything we do. Why did he go to the cross? Why do we have the labor? Why do we have those things? Why why do they have those things? To represent the power, <laughs> represent the washing, getting that sin out of that's our right. life. That's right. Okay. All right, anything else? Anybody else? All right. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. I pray that you'll bless us as we go about our way tonight. I pray that you will uh, just work in our life. I pray uh, as we've taken time this evening to study your word, I pray that each and every one of us would examine ourselves. I can't examine 